0: what's up everybody i'm jason weisenberg and i'm michael weisenberg welcome to Vise Land. boom thank you guys so much for coming tuning in because this is actually our 53rd episode meaning michael was actually right last week that was episode 52. <laughs> we have been doing this for 52 plus now one weeks so we've circled it done a year and we're gonna run it back obviously and so we just wanted to say first like thank you guys so much for tuning in for liking, subscribing, sharing, you know, leaving reviews. We appreciate that so much. And we hope you love watching us on YouTube, or if you're not watching us, that you're listening to us on basically anywhere you can get your podcasts. So we want to start this episode off with a huge thank you, because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all of you. That and uh Jason, thank you for gaslighting me last
1: week on our 50 second episode. Yeah, I was off I was off a of year and everything there.
0: Thank you, man. We didn't yeah. have as big a celebration last time, but you know, okay. like now now we're here, we're 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 yeah. celebrating. We should be counting episodes, but we decided not uh, to like, like we have like I have I have yeah, it's like you know at a certain point, but you know what? We we started this as a humble venture about a you know a year ago. We we talked about it for a long time and then we finally I would say like our tenacity deserves
1: commendation if it's only from us. But if anybody else wants to give it out, we're, we're here too.
0: Um, so our arms can get sore from patting ourselves on the back a lot. So, you know, like that, that's something for everyone to consider. My arms are fine. My arms are fine. Uh, still have a lot
1: more stamina there. But um, I have a, a, a quick story that I, I wanted to, to get to in terms of commendation and everything there. Um, we had a friend tell us a story one time, a friend who will remain nameless. We're keeping it a little anonymous. Um, and he had commented on the fact that he had gone to a rental car service and then filled out a survey afterwards and, um, felt that they had done an adequate job, but not above the, uh, I don't know, like above and beyond. So he gave them an eight out of 10. Now giving somebody an eight out of 10 in real life, like in school, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Usually, can, it's pretty good. However, in the terms of what we're known as like, you know, basically like surveys on like Yelp, and for this rental car service and for corporate America and for the way that people view things now, you give them a 10 out of 10 if they've done a good job. That is where my friend was mistaken for what he had done. (laughs) So anybody that can give us a five out of five on the review, like I, It's something that just, like, honestly, like, I haven't really any knowledge about. I, like, I would never give an Uber driver who, like, got me from point A to point B anything less than five stars. Yeah. I I just, I I don't even remember ever giving less than, like, uh, you know, a 10 out of 10 on a survey or a 5 out of 5 or whatever the highest possible ranking is for an employee survey, I'm giving it. But I think the other important thing now is giving likes, giving everything, if you think the person's doing a good job. So if you think that Vizeland is doing a good job and you are doing that for us, thank you so much. If you wanted to do that for us, we would be greatly, greatly appreciative. Um, I find that through this year, we've gotten a lot more love. It seems like our episodes are, are getting more listens and um, people are digging them. So we appreciate everybody that has. Uh, Thank you so much if you're a first time listener. Thank you so much if you're a long time listener. And I am just kind of impressed with us, Jason, that we uh, got through an entire year and stuck to the same schedule that we've had. Um, We either release on Wednesday or
0: one time we released a day early um, but yeah, we are. That was really topical. Yeah, we, have, we are. We're hitting on the nose Wednesday mornings. You can find find our podcast brand new. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's been a bit of fun year. And obviously, we are at a very, you know, interesting part because playoffs are coming up super soon. And then, of course, that leads us into the draft. Maybe this summer we actually we have a get a lot of draft content very soon. Yeah. Maybe we get Summer League this summer. You know, like we're getting Summer League this summer. That's it's never basketball, like outside chance at Olympics, probably not, but maybe there could be international play, but who knows what, the, what that NBA situation looks like. But TBT, we might get some TBT action. Viseland might care about the TBT.
1: That's There's all an outside stuff. chance of that.
0: Right, I'm going to just give a little uh, teaser. Ominous.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> ominous, ominous vibe. But yeah, we might care about the TBT this year. And if so, we will, we will give you reasons as to why. But, you Absolutely. know, he's always fun, you know, even if you're a college basketball fan, just be like, oh, yeah, that's what that guy's doing. Okay, they're still out there. And even, like, Joe Johnson and some, like, ex-NBA guys that just still want to go out and hoop, like, still think they can do it. Too far back.
1: Because you were giving a perfect transition, Jason Weisenberg, to our topic this week. We, at Weiseland, have been pretty vocal about the fact that we would be open to um, – there being no age limit, or like you know, an 18-year-old age limit. Uh, basically, the renewal of the prep to Pro program. We're intrigued by it, and we think that you know it should probably be happening once again. It doesn't appear that it's going to happen, and then the other thing that I hear people mention a lot with that program, or if that were to happen is the RSCI rankings and usually saying like, oh, if this guy is number one in the RSCI, he'll probably be the number one pick. As we found like with old rankings, like it happened a few times, but there were three times where a high schooler went number one, two times they were the um, consensus, like I I would say almost like unanimous from all the scouting um, programs, number one, um, and that was LeBron James in 2003 and Dwight Howard in 2004. However, in 2001, the first time it happened, Kwame Brown, I think was uh, I'm I think he was around sixth or, or somewhere there. He wasn't the number one guy, uh, whatever it was. And uh, I actually think Usman Cissé, who ended up going in the second round of that draft was right ahead of him in RSCI. Now high school rankings and everything have changed quite a bit, but we wanted to go through this week and talk about um, the past like 10 years of basically guys who have been drafted already. And some guys from those RSCI rankings who might've tested the waters as high school players and were really highly ranked and who through uh, college and, and through whatever, process they went through, um, ended up being a lot lower ranked in the draft range or maybe not even being drafted at all. And many of them with very short NBA stints. So yeah, we just wanted to go over that because the RSCI is definitely not a foolproof system. And I think even with a majority of people that are top ranked RSCI players being fairly high draft picks, um, many a time, the guy who is number one in that uh, ranking does not necessarily end up being the best player from that class. Um, so, yeah, we just kind of wanted to go over it and uh, give, a, I, I would say, like, you know, that basically give teams the benefit of the doubt as to, you know, maybe having this year to, to evaluate or, or, yeah, like just – saying that uh, they were lucky, at least, to have this year to evaluate <laughs> in these cases.
0: No, def- definitely, it's, yeah, it's been that change of like having that year. Cause yeah, if not a lot of these guys, you know, pretty good chance they would have gone straight to the NBA. Cause like it's, you know, some 2004, I think there were, you know, six, five or six guys that went in the first round from from a high school class. So it's not uncommon for a lot of guys to, to jump in at that time. So. We will start it off, we're we're going back 10 years, we're gonna start it off in 2010. We got Mm -hmm. Josh Selby, he is ranked number six in the RSCI. Yeah, and um, Josh Selby was a
1: very athletic point guard. He was to the point where um, I think he, oh yeah, so I think it was Rivals had him as the number one player in that entire class. Yes. They did. Which uh, <laughs> I, judging from the rest of the RS RSCI, he uh, he was as
0: high as fifth by Scout yes, and ESPN had him five 30. Rivals had him one. But Rivals is always like one of the not as reliable for oh, basketball. Yeah. Shots fired, Jason. <laughs> general I mean like following it over the years, it's kinda yeah yeah. Um and yeah,
1: he also, um, he won the McDonald's All-American Dunk Contest, had a good game in the McDonald's All-American game, was just considered like a, a really good scorer. And um, what happens when he gets
0: to Kansas? Well, Kansas he has basically, he starts with a, he commits to Tennessee, he signs with Kansas, goes to Kansas. Yeah. He has a nine game suspension because he and like, had some, some thing with, like, uh, Carmelo Anthony's business manager, their friend. So basically he has to sit out nine games and then pay, like, $4,607.58, the total of the, quote, inappropriate benefits that he received to the charity of his choice. So oddly specific, I mean, the suspension, whatever, you pick a number of games, but, yeah, the, the amount, very oddly specific and also kind of weird to be, like, hey, because you're good at basketball and someone gave you money, you now owe these other people money to a chair. Like, very strange, but obviously doesn't get your college career off on the right footing. You know, it's like sitting out a, a number of games. Indeed. And then when he is
1: actually playing in college, does not necessarily kill it and uh, wasn't like overly efficient, um, struggled shooting most definitely, but he, He finishes shooting 36.2% from three, but he also only shoots 31% in conference play and um, doesn't shoot exceptionally well. Uh, Doesn't get to the free throw line a ton. He, um, yeah, definitely I I think his draft stock like takes a a pretty considerable hit. Um, Coming into the year is like, viewed as a likely, um, or at least a possible lottery pick. But yeah, he, um, and and the the other thing is like, I I think people question whether he was a point guard or not, like that he was a kind of a a smaller combo guard. He um, in the NBA draft combine does post a 42 inch max vert, but he um, only had a 29.5 inch um, standing vertical. So yeah, it was. I, I think it was just like the the jumping off of two, and uh, yeah, it, I, I think his his stock definitely takes a hit there.
0: And um, he does get drafted. Yeah, second so uh, round to Memphis, which like you know he joined a few other KU guys like Xavier Henry was there, Daryl Arthur. Draw. And he- yeah, they're both they're both at Memphis at the time, and then it's cool because in his first the two thousand twelve summer league, he does share co MVP honors with Damian Lillard, which is pretty awesome, and it's also the last time you hear those two in the same sentence. But he, you know, kind of ends up just going, you know, basically G League kind of you know consignment route, and then he uh, pretty much plays everywhere. That's the other thing, (laughs) like
1: he plays in China, he plays in Serbia, he plays in Israel. Well, you
0: Um, see this trend with some of the, you know, yeah, it's like, you know, they get that, like they go for the G League for a year or two and then it just, I think, you know, China's the first and then after that it's Nomad. He's like a different place like every, yeah, pretty much every year right now. Goes to Korea and
1: right now he's in uh, New Zealand. He's playing with the Franklin Bulls in New Zealand. But so yeah, long pro career, just not necessarily a long NBA career. And uh, I, I know, I know the other side of the coin is like wanting these guys to get their money as soon as possible and everything like that. It, it is on the NBA team, like that. That's the thing. But uh, yeah, I uh, I think that having that year has definitely saved some NBA teams from investing in, in players who would have gone considerably higher and uh, possibly put their franchises at maybe slightly more risk. Um, I, I think that like there was definitely a huge gap in the high school players who were fantastic and went way above what the uh, they were expected to from their draft position. And the players who weren't that, like, you know, they, it was a uh, volatility. That, that's what I'll say. <laughs> it was a, it was a, there, there was some, certainly some volatility in, in high school players. Um, but yeah, so Josh Selby certainly stands out there. Another player from the 2010 RSCI rankings who I think would have been a really high draft pick had he come straight out of high school was Perry Jones because people felt like Perry Jones had enormous talent. And uh, I remember like um, Draft.net had an article on, on Perry and I think like Rick Bettino would said he was like one of the most talented players like he had seen at like certain camp. And yeah, he was uh, a very highly regarded player. Um, People's champ, Doug Gottlieb. I remember, I, I think even in his sophomore season, this was the 2012 NBA draft it would have been had Perry Jones, number one, like a few games into the season. And this was after he had gotten waxed by Kevin Jones. And I remember like my jaw dropped to the floor um, with that ranking. And he he does end up being a first round pick, but he hasn't had necessarily the, the longest NBA career. But um, moving on to 2011, the player that we wanted to highlight here was Quincy Miller. And with Quincy Miller, there, there definitely was the, the unfortunate uh, aspect of, of him having the ACL injury. And, um, but yeah, he uh, was a, a, a forward, I, I would call him a combo forward, but I, I think a lot of people viewed him as a wing. Um, and, you know, so he goes to Baylor. He is with Perry Jones, like they're seen as these to Versatile, person, like, top like top 10 RS yeah, guys. Yeah. Um, Quincy Miller finishes fifth in his class. At certain points, I I remember Draft.net had their high school rankings come out and he was number one. Um, and this was, I think, going into his senior season. He had crushed Pango's camp, uh, like a really intriguing guy. He, he was about six foot 10, had, um, I think, seven one or so wingspan. And he had some ball skills, had some shooting ability. Um, But yeah, he, I would say, left a little to be desired during his one year at Baylor. Um, Was solid, but yeah, like doesn't necessarily, um, isn't really like making tons of plays for others. Um, The shooting was pretty, I would say mostly miss, but... Yeah, it doesn't even have, like, a, a high three-point attempt rate. Uh, shoots pretty well from the free throw line. But, yeah, like, doesn't, doesn't necessarily, like, crush it during his, his single year at Baylor. And, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, he he was certainly somebody that would have gotten a, a ton of intrigue coming out of high school. I think even with the ACL tear, like, uh, was, it was still one of the – the more intriguing players in that class, um, which was considered a really good class as well. Like, you know, it has Anthony Davis at the top. Um, Austin Rivers was a highly regarded prospect and has a a good single year at Duke and still ends up being the lottery pick. Um, Michael Gilchrist was uh, third in the RSCI and he ends up being the second pick in the draft. Bradley Beal, fourth in the RSCI, ends up being the fourth pick. James Michael McAdoo, Goes a little bit of a different direction as well, and um, I, I believe eventually goes undrafted. But uh, yeah, I highlighting Quincy Miller because he only ends up playing um, sixty-nine total NBA games, and uh, yeah, it was just I, I I wouldn't say like it was anything like he did. I, I'm guessing, but yeah, I, I just. I think injuries certainly played a part, um, but yeah, just somebody who
0: didn't necessarily like live up to that fifth ranking in the RSCI. Yeah, it's hard, you know, like in the NBA again, it's, sometimes it's just hard to, to get more point down in the game ahead of you, you know, there's just some really really pretty good good players. Cause yeah, it looks like like, you know, like his second year was really when he got the most time and that's again like Wilson Chandler got hurt, you know? So that's why he kind of gets, you know, a couple starts and everything like that. But yeah, after that, you know, didn't really do much with Sacramento, Detroit. And now it's just went to Europe for a couple of years, but yeah, it looks like he is now in Portugal. So yeah.
1: he's playing in Portugal. The James Michael McAdoo, the aforementioned is playing in Shibuya. He's playing in Japan oh. in the B
0: league. That is a now-you-know situation because, yeah, it was yeah. not, was not as, as much on Shibuya as I usually am. So, yes. Oh, NBA champion James Michael McAdoo. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. I, I think he played significantly more games than uh, – well, significantly. But, yeah, he ends up playing 111 NBA games. And, uh, yeah, both were really highly regarded prospects, I remember. And um, yeah, I, I think certainly it, it's funny because, yeah, like it's rounded out also with like LeBron Nash was number eight in uh, that draft. And I remember him being considered a, a big time like NBA prospect uh, Adonis Thomas, who I don't recall these conversations, but apparently there were NBA scouts that had conversations going into their college career where Adonis Thomas uh, ended up going to Memphis between Adonis Thomas and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. And as we saw, Michael Kidd Gilchrist ends up being the second pick. He may not have had the best NBA career, but still is around. Um, So yeah, I would say that it was a a very volatile top 10 just in general uh, in 2011, though there were some absolute gems for sure. I have a feeling that Anthony Davis is like, let, let's say 2011 becomes that, that class. I, I think we've gone over this as well, but Anthony Davis more than likely would have gone number one in that class. Uh, regardless. Um, yeah. He, it, even though like, Andre, I think, yeah, Andre Drummond, I guess comes in late, but yeah, I, I think Anthony Davis still would have been the favorite to be the number one player, even over like a player like Kyrie Irving. Uh, that year before, but you know that that is a little like you know past hindsight, I guess. But uh, yeah,
0: Anthony Davis is is
1: that dude. <laughs> but oh yeah, turns out. Moving on to twenty. What do those guys have in common? Both of them were enormous helps in LeBron
0: James Wayne NBA championship. True. <laughs> sure. But moving on to 2012, is someone that actually we saw up close kind of later in his career recreationally. That is. Isaiah Austin, he was number three on the Goes to the Yes. Receiver. Isaiah Austin was considered, like,
1: a pretty big deal when he was a high school player. He was seen as, like, the seven-footer who could step out shoot some threes, uh, handle the ball a little bit, um, and block some shots. Like, he, he was almost – I don't know. It's – like, it feels sacrilegious to make this comparison. But I think some of, like – I'll just – say this way, because I, I think there were, there was at least a difference in mentality between the two. But um, he, he had like some Chet Holmgren skills. I'll say Chet Holmgren skills and uh, Chet Holmgren, eh, I don't know, very little else. But um, yeah. c- c- certainly it, if you go and you watch Isaiah Austin um, highlight videos and everything like that, people were blown away. The th- one thing I remember of Isaiah Austin is a uh, Andre Drummond. Right before he decides to reclassify uh, back to his original class, but he was he was a young draftee, But like he, it was technically back to his original class. Um, he has a video, or no, it wasn't a video. It was a picture. It was a picture, and I remember having this picture and. I think it was like my background screen on my laptop for a while. And it was Andre and Isaac, like a defenseless Isaiah Austin like going like this and like everything. And Andre just slamming on him because Andre was considered a pretty big deal as a high school prospect as well. And was uh, kind of a fun prospect and at times can be a fun NBA player, at times not so much. Yeah. But um, Isaiah Austin was a pretty big deal. As I've
0: mentioned in the past, when three, three blocks, like three point one blocks a game, his sophomore year at Baylor, so he's he's yeah. protecting the rim, which was very strange because he he also like
1: he goes from averaging eight point three rebounds per game as a freshman to only five point five as um a sophomore, and I wonder if that's not because he was like going after every block shot possible,
0: but yeah, uh, yeah well that is an
1: interesting could Continue. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Consider with that stat. I, I think Baylor, no, they were still a pretty good team. Yeah. Like they weren't as good as the year before or no, they were better than, Oh God. What do I remember? But yeah, they were, uh, they still do go to the sweet 16. And, but what the unfortunate thing that happens with Isaiah Austin and uh, i like, I honestly like his draft stock wasn't anything incredible anyway. Like, I think even after his freshman year, like there was a reason he came back for his sophomore year. Um, there, there were question marks about his strength playing in the NBA, like exactly what position he plays and everything there. Um, his um, uncle was Ike Austin who played for Miami and was in the NBA for quite a while. But uh, yeah, there was some question marks around Isaiah Austin. And then it turns out that he has Marfan syndrome, and basically, like, I I don't know exactly why and like everything behind it. I I, I think it was just like a liability's sake. I, I'm not completely sure because there you'll see later. There's another prospect who has Marfan syndrome who basically is then like not draftable or like pulls out of the NBA draft or anything. It was it was almost like they basically went into retirement but even this player has come out and started playing again and that's Jonathan John uh, from France and he was seven foot two uh, considered a you know like probably like mid first to like late first round pick uh, only a couple of years ago and um, he's I think now playing basketball again as we see with Isaiah Austin what happens with him after he announces the Marfan syndrome um, obviously a lot of people are devastated by the news and devastated for him uh, considering that he was on the precipice of each. I think he certainly would have been drafted uh, most likely in the second round, uh, probably like mid to late. And uh, what the NBA does is they
0: draft Isaiah Austin on draft. Yeah. yeah, Like they give him like an honor between it was between like 15th and 16th pick You got to come up on stage, shake Adam Silver's head. It's pretty touching moment. A lot of tears in question. Yeah, because, you know, again, like, was he the first pick? No, but he was someone that that had a chance to to get in the league and at least put put himself out there. But –
1: He had a lot of scouts very interested. Definitely tons of scouts going to his games. And obviously Baylor had other prospects as well. But, yeah, like, he was uh, somebody who who was highly regarded and he was at least unique. Um, And – we end up seeing him like it was pretty surprising.
0: Was that, was that an, it? Was a, a run in Santa Monica, California? And you know, like there were there were you know Nick Young showed up. Um It was summer two thousand sixteen. Yeah, and Trey Trey Burke was there at the end. Like he didn't play in any of the games because he still mm-hmm. had right. but he was like shooting around. So there's a lot of guys that were like on that like NCAA level, and then a few you, you know NBA guys sprinkled in. And and the minute you walk in the gym and you see. Some of Isaiah Austin's size, like that, that automatically like sticks out to you. He's a a very ginormous individual.
1: He was the tallest person there by quite a bit,
0: because you know, like guys that are like six five, six six, and
1: doing uh, the kind of like wing stuff that he normally would be doing. He was he was handling the ball. He was shooting three pointers. Um, Was would I say he he dominated the scrimmage? No, but was he
0: um, at least? A focal point of it, he, he certainly was one. of That's something different, for sure. You know, like as as a big other, but you know, like and so, yeah. In twenty sixteen, he he's able to, I guess, get the diagnosis or what you know to to play professionally. And he he ends up going on to to play. i points been since two thousand seventeen. He's still still out there playing, but yeah, it's unfortunately not at the NBA level, and probably that that physicality is probably not in in the cards for him. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, he's playing mm-hmm. in Morocco as of recently and uh, spent some time in China. So, yeah, at least he did have the ability to play professional basketball. Um, but certainly, even beyond the Marfan diagnosis, everything like that, he um, it was pretty immediately evident that he wasn't necessarily like the lottery level prospect that he uh, – was viewed as as a high school player, obviously when he was ranked uh, fourth in the RCA. Oh no, he he actually wasn't even ranked fourth. He was tied for third. Yeah. With Kyle Anderson. And the guy right after him, Stephen Adams, and then the player right after him, Anthony Bennett. <laughs> uh,
0: up gone
1: uh, the seventh ranked player, Caleb Tarzewski, The eighth ranked, Alex Poitras. Nine, Marcus Smart. That's the money move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So again, these, these, these aren't set in, uh, you know, as we said, they're not set in stone for the no. draft. And yeah. The, and my other
1: point is that like when scouts view these players, much like draft Twitter, much like any high school ranking individual, they, they have different opinions. And I, I don't think every team necessarily goes by the RSCIN on all of these guys they could have the guy who's ranked fifth as like their number two prospect. Like I am sure there were plenty of teams who saw Zion Williamson who was ended up being ranked uh, fourth in the RSCI and some of them may have been lower on him, but I'm guaranteeing there were a few that were higher on him. <laughs> Even before his, uh, his incredible college sample.
0: Um, so yeah. 2013 we go to number seven on the rci it's chris walker goes to florida at a high school he does win the power jam fest he beats wiggins parker which is okay but aaron gordon as well one of the all-time slam dunk contest competitors
1: yeah chris walker was somebody that i think was considered like he had this he just looked like a basketball player like, that was the main thing with him. Looked like a basketball player, could run pretty well in a straight line, was very athletic. I think the level he of basketball he played in high school wasn't amazing. He, he was out of Florida. But yeah, he, he didn't play, like, in, a, I think, like, a, a really high division. And he
0: also, like, I, I remember... They were qualified, so he didn't, he didn't start after that immediately. Like, he had to come in a little bit. middle of the year, so obviously, like, his freshman year, it's like it's weird to quantify a lot of that because, yeah, it's like just you know, not, not starting off on the right foot because he didn't get to enroll until December, so you know, only really plays a few games,
1: yeah. And he only plays 87 minutes his freshman year, but I, I think like his at least some aspects of him, I remember like. ESPN, I'll just say Kevin Pelton uh, had an article uh, (laughs) talking about how he looked like a pretty promising draft prospect based on like a a few things in his very brief play. Like he has an amazing or not amazing, but a really good offensive rebound percentage um, ends up having a 10.4 block percentage He has a 9.4 block percentage as a sophomore as well. Um, But yeah, I I think just in terms of exactly what he was going to do. And then he also like doesn't play a ton during his sophomore season as well. Um, I think he he clearly was kind of a a case of guy who relied on his RSCI
0: in terms of like where he felt his draft position was. Cause yeah, he declares after a sophomore year, but you know, you look at that again, it's 14 minutes a game, 4.7 points. What the yeah. actual hell? He's getting a block, he's getting a blocky a game, but um, yeah, ends up go, ends up going undrafted. Starts that just starts that G League route. And then, you know, after a few weeks in the G League, ends up going that, you know, taking that international international route. Yeah. The thing.
1: Wikipedia has him as being seven one.
0: Yeah, that seems to be, I know, I can compare it to everywhere else. It's like more than that six. No. yeah, he is. Strange, he, but, you yeah. know, <laughs> the, the thing to remember about Wikipedia is...
1: He does have, he does have pretty good measurements. So yeah, he it. measures at 6'8 and 3 quarters in, uh, at the draft combine and only five point one percent body fat, so... I wouldn't say there was fat upside there, but, um, and it was only 208 pounds, uh, seven, two and three quarters wingspan, um, nine foot standing reach, and then has a max vert of 37 inches, so clears the Vertec. Um, but yeah, I I remember, I was like, I think this was when Dave Tellup was still working for ESPN or, no, I shouldn't put that on him, but like, it might've been Biancardi on it, honestly. It was one of those two or it could, whatever it was. It was somebody from ESPN and I remember they talked about a camp they were at. I think it might've been MBPA top 100 or one of those. I one of the Nike academies, either way. They talked about a player in the top 20 and a scout saying to them like, this guy like, will never get it into the NBA which I felt was like a very harsh thing to say. And at the time, Chris Walker was ranked very high. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, are they talking about Chris Walker? <laughs> and I shouldn't laugh about that, but yeah, it was, uh, and yeah, like he still does have a pro career. Um, just I, the furthest he gets is uh, the G League, just in terms of like his proximity to the NBA it seems.
0: Then you know, I also remember
1: a like when I would look for articles about players and everything, looking up like Chris Walker and seeing that this freshman has an amazing game against Chris Walker and their team beats Chris Walker's team. And that freshman, ladies and gentlemen, was eventual Florida State fan favorite Trent Forrest, who um, I believe has found his way onto an NBA roster. So, yeah,
0: very cool. Then moving on to 2014, we are taking a look here. This is someone who's right pretty high. I really like, always had a lot of buzz on him, is Cliff Alexander, Kansas. Yes,
1: Cliff Alexander was somebody who had a tremendous amount of buzz throughout high school. He didn't start his basketball
0: until like-, till like eighth grade, and then <laughs> yeah. by, by his freshman year, he's, he's like. like- but yeah, he,
1: he just had like, he had like a man's body. And then the other thing was he had like this, like Jason maxiel esque like uh, difference between his height and his swing <laughs> space. Like, I don't think he was that much taller than 6'8 in shoes. and But he, he had monster long arms, was great on the glass. Um, and then I, I think just like around the basket in high school was somebody who was really tough to stop just dominated like tons of camps. Yeah, I think at least looked pretty good through the all-star circuit. I only got to see him uh, in person at the Nike Hoop Summit. And the thing that I noticed initially with him is one, he he has good vertical athleticism. The other aspects of his athleticism were things I was a tad worried about, Um, but still felt like in a class that didn't necessarily like have tons of standouts. He he still looked like one of the better players there. Um and I I remember like watching like the footwork drills and everything like that. And then for whatever reason, he released this like workout video of him where it like just didn't seem like he was going hard. And I was like, why did they release this? <laughs> it doesn't, it was it wasn't the best look as far as like the workout. um and he gets to Kansas, and I think he's just like, it proved like the proof was that he was a very raw player. And yeah, while they had the, like tremendous success the year before with a guy who was a very raw player and just had like insane athletic ability and agility and like natural talent in um, Joel Embiid, it didn't go the same way with uh, Cliff Alexander. Um, and yeah, like not to mention that he has eligibility issues as
0: well, I think. Yeah, so the end of his basically like the last like eight games and obviously going to the tournament, he is inactivated due to an undisclosed NCAA investigation as a precautionary measure. I guess his mom had like a, a an initiation of a pre-NBA draft loan of some kind. Yes, okay. I remember oh yeah, that. it's it's again and a, like for you know a lot of these situations too like things like that yeah kind of you can see the correlation between like that happening and like kind of hurting their them in some capacity yeah
1: yeah Cliff does end up being number one in Van Coleman's high school rankings number three in ESPN uh, behind two other centers in Jaleel Okafor and Miles Turner um, they messed those rankings up a little bit, <laughs> but at the time, yeah, like Jaleel was considered uh, the um, the number one guy for the most part. Consensus. The one oh, ranking system that was low on Jaleel Okafor at the time was Jerry Meyer had him six. And um, yeah, he, he was the, the one guy who was apprehensive
0: about Jaleel's, uh, I would say professional future. And then sadly for Cliff Alexander, again, injury situation. So he, you know, kind of doesn't leave college on the the best footing with the NCAA investigation and then injures himself in a workout with the Lakers. So obviously, you know, someone who's going in kind of on that raw potential card, getting hurt, doesn't doesn't help, ends up, you know, ends up with the Blazers, end up having him for a little bit. And after that, you know, yeah, it's G League and then... And then that, you know, overseas route everywhere. Yeah. And he's,
1: he was with Brooklyn for a very brief period of time, but never ends up playing there again. Yeah. It's
0: but, eight games in with Portland, but he never gets into a, to a, a game for Brooklyn. Cliffy. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's just one of those, those, you know, again, like a raw. So yeah,
1: he's in France now. And, uh, they list him at 6'9". I'm not sure he ever gets there, but has like that seven three, seven four wingspan, and uh, always was like just a,
0: a really strong player.
1: And I feel like he was never mentioned without
0: the fact that he like, mentioning that he was like such, such a highly ranked player. Uh, is, even, you know, even at Kansas, even when he was, you know, like getting in a game for like five minutes with the Blazers, like that was like the one thing that was like always talked about with him. Mm-hmm was that, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's, you know, tough that he never goes to, to live, live, up to, up to that. Yeah. But our first West Coasty guy, we're going 2015 Ivan Rabb out of Cal. Yeah, I highlight Ivan
1: Rabb. There were a few other candidates here. Um, I, I would say like, even like checked Diallo, like right after him, and then Another really big one, I would say, is Diamond Stone, who barely stays in the NBA. Malik Newman right after him. Henry Ellenson just got another contract. Yeah, there's a, a big portion <laughs> of that list. You know, at the top, you have Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. The rest are, the rest are just – They knew Ben Simmons was going to at least be a pretty good player. You have Scalabus Sierra, who – many or i shouldn't say well actually many people like i knew had as the number one player coming out of that high school class after he annihilates the hoop summit and does really well there
0: the first person john
1: calipari offered in this class like he was super super high on it and um well doesn't end up being but uh then jalen brown really good player
0: it's a, doing okay it really sucks
1: the season's over. But uh, yeah, i had, had a tremendous season this past year and has been um, a really good NBA player. And then uh, Brandon Ingram, who's really come into his own these last couple of years, made an all-star team last year and was like in, I would say like low to mid 20s scoring per game this year. So right after that, you have Ivan Rab. And Ivan Rab at a time was considered... The number one, like very early on, I remember it, this was at Nike Skills Academy. He goes up against Diamond Stone and gets the better of Diamond Stone, and people are thinking like Ivan Rab may be like the best player in this high school class. Very early on, like early rankings don't always stay the same. So yeah, so Ivan Rab really up there in the beginning. I would say like by his senior year, some of the lesser was wearing off. Like. He was still considered a, a pretty highly regarded prospect. He doesn't have an amazing hoop summit week. Um, I I'd like I just didn't really like the way that he moved and uh, yeah, like there certainly was kind of like that old school big to an extent. Like didn't have like crazy range or anything like that, and also didn't have like incredible size for a center. Um, which was the position that he almost certainly was going to play. Yeah, yeah, he was, I would say a little bit of a tweener. Uh, Like funny enough, Diamondstone, I guess he was an Under Armour guy and sides with Maryland, but he uh, had played with USA basketball, like on many occasions and like does really well in FIBA youth competition. But those guys were considered like pretty highly regarded high school players. Would they have been like first round picks or anything like that through like the draft process? Draft process out of high school, I, I'm not completely sure, but I, I think they at least would have been considered. And Ivan Rab ends up being uh, he does
0: go back to Cal, yeah. So he ends up like, he ends up like he's all Pac-12 freshman, but then yeah he ends up deciding to come back for that that second year and again like he is statistically you know improvement is is there in his in his second year at Cal still not like the most dominant player but you know he was good you get 14 and 10 you getting 14 and 10 I mean that's all you know yeah. I'll, I'll take that from a college, college big guy but you know, like defense like
1: things like that like yeah wasn't creating tons of events or anything like that um with diamond stone he does leave after his freshman year and he like he has a fine freshman season nothing really to like write home about but then yeah like he was another guy where he was like he was a big guy he wasn't very athletic and you just kind of wondered, like, while he was big, like, was he, like, NBA big to to play center? And also, like, kind of, like, that more, like, classic, like, throwback center, I would say. Yeah, I think that's, like, one thing that we see is, yeah, like, that shifting of, like, what the center position is and needs to be able to do. The Diamond ends up going 40th in the draft in 2016, and then uh, Ivan goes 35th in – 2017 and yeah that is what at a time was considered like this big deal freshman i think they were rising sophomores like matchup um ends up being like two guys who have kind of like i don't know i I think ivan certainly played more nba games but i shouldn't say like cups of coffee in the nba yeah, because Ivan did. He searching eighty-five games, yeah. but yeah, don't don't have like long, drawn-out NBA careers, basically.
0: Yeah. No, def- definitely kind of ended up getting buried in that Memphis front court. You know, he plays a little bit for yeah. You know, has assignments with the hustle, but then mm-hmm. 2019, you know, he gets waived, and then he ends up, you know. I think he's still, I think Delaware blue coats is who he's playing for. So that's a G league. So he's still currently in the G league. So again, dreams, dreams, not over, but obviously after not being in the NBA for two years, you know, it starts looking a little less, less likely you're going to get that call up, but. A
1: guy from that class who was another player who uh, very early on was in the running for number one player was Malik Newman. Who literally had a cup of coffee in the NBA? Like, if you go on Basketball Reference, they have cups of coffees, which are guys that played one game. And Malik has played; he played one game for the Cavs uh, in 2020, and made a couple free throws. But man, there there was a time where like you know you considered like him to be kind of like this Tyreek Evans like prospect. His dad, Horatio Webster, was like six foot seven or so and malik kind of tops out at like maybe like six four in shoes uh probably less but he was he was really quick like i i even remember he like goes to steph curry camp and like sits down with steph and steph's like giving him props on how quick he is and like you know his pull-up shooting and, and stuff like that and uh yeah just unfortunately hasn't really stuck around in the nba but uh yeah, he, he was a, a player that was very enjoyable to watch in high school, and uh, there was a certain uh, high school evaluator who I remember said something that I thought was pretty messed up at the time about him when he was like in eighth grade, I think, like you know, saying he'll like never lead a team to a championship or something asinine and ridiculous, and uh, t- turns out that it's
0: possible. It is true, but nonetheless, yeah, it's it's not thing to say about a kid. It's not uplifting. Yeah, it's just no. like could be factual, but it's not. Yeah, it's not like you know you're not helping anybody out there. It's but like, ugh, all the pressure that must have been on at that young of an age. No, totally. It's, I it's it's tough, and obviously, like you, you know, looking, you know, if you look at the RCI, like over time, yeah, there's definitely a lot of names. If you're just a casual fan, that you'd be, you'd go through, you'd be like who are these people? Yeah. You know, just because they're ranked high, you know, it's like, it It happens through, you know, sometimes they don't even have the best college careers and then NBA, but coming up in the next year, 2016, which was like a pretty decent, you know, high school class when you really, really get good. About it, you know, get, get a few pretty big names, but coming yeah. in, number two on the RCI, somebody who ESPN had number one at the end of the year. Yeah. Oh, man. He was like, a
1: really, really high level, or considered to be a high level uh, prospect.
0: And yeah, Harry Giles from, so ends up at Duke, but yeah, you look at those next two guys, right? Uh, Well, like four, five, six, yeah, they should. Like after- It's it's a really good RCI. like it was was hard to choose Harry.
1: Because like, but if you're thinking about it, Harry, like if this was just coming out of high school, like, Harry Giles would have been in the mix for a top five pick if he was just, kind of like, straight up coming out of high school. Because, yeah, you got Lonzo and Tatum are the, are the next. Harry Giles was, like, a guy who had this tremendous frame um, and had basketball skills. And then uh, when NBA scouts saw him, he, he played with uh, the USA U-19s the summer before his uh, senior year in high school. And he um, had played at like the USA youth level. That's actually where he first tears his ACL with the U16s, um, which was just such a bummer. Because yeah, like early on Harry was considered that, Harry Giles was considered the number one player in the class. Um, this like six foot 10 guy, had some ball skills, had some basketball acumen. Like he, to this day, he's still like a, a really good passer. Um, can do good things, like was a good rebounder and um, at least liked taking shots. That was the one thing, like he he didn't necessarily like scribe as an outside shooter, but he would take them. You love doing, you know, sometimes passion is great, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I had a friend who worked like with him, like, and was trying to show him like the analytics of taking certain shots and Harry being like, no, I still like taking them. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they go through like that process. And I remember when scouts saw him at USA basketball, like during that whole U-19 thing, like they fell in love like all over again. And he was considered the number one player that other guys on that uh, U-19 team from that high school class, you had you had Josh Jackson, you had Jason Tatum. Um, T Ferg, I think was the other guy. Um, so yeah, it was a really good U-19 team. And Harry Giles, they said he looked like he was in a video game. Um, so yeah, I, I think there were even people who were like kind of willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't really tear it up at Duke. He's coming off of, he, just, not, so he tears his ACL his last year in high school as well at Oak Hill. So basically he doesn't play the entire year there um, still gets to go to all the All-American games because he was so highly considered. And I remember he does show up at, at Hoop Summit. And uh, I remember trying to block his shot with uh, the fake little uh, stick hand that they would use to block shots uh, just for, for fun, uh, which was a cool experience for me uh, yeah. <laughs> at Trailblazers practice facility. But he, um, yeah, has that year at Duke comes on very
0: late and, um, you little, know, little, little, Netflix, little minutes, you know, he's getting about 11 and a half minutes in yeah. the game. But certainly like
1: when you used to think like you hear about like the video game stuff and everything. And while he looked good in USA basketball, like wasn't necessarily always the most efficient guy has some games where he like doesn't shoot very well. Um, and at Duke, he, just he doesn't really tear it up. He doesn't look as athletic as he did amongst his high school competition, and um, yeah, he uh, he looks fine, like you know. And I think a lot of people give him the benefit of the doubt because of the injuries and everything. And like coming back from an ACL, like that usually does take time. Uh, so yeah, I, I think uh, he's still considered like um very probable first round prospect.
0: And he does go in he's he's the first round. Yeah, he's the only one so, so far, you know, that, we, that we've we've highlighted that, yeah, he does still end up in the first round. But it's kind of under this weird, you know, auspicious, like the Kings announced. So he, he gets drafted by Portland at 20, but they trade him to Sacramento. And then the Kings announced that, you know, the 2017-18, what would be his technical rookie season, he is not going to see the NBA floor because they want to focus on, vigorous practice activity and individual workouts tailored to continue developing overall strength and aid ACL injury prevention. So not exactly a uh, promising sign. I would say, well, like it was, it was good
1: in that they at least like, you know,
0: care. Versus rushing him him or throwing him out there and just letting him, you know, be hobbled.
1: And it's like, I, I wouldn't throw away like his NBA career right now. Um, he does get very limited playing time with the Portland Trailblazers um, this year. Uh, there have been some fun games watching Harry Giles and Garbage Time though. And Garbage, Garbage Time, Harry Giles is a player. Um, but yeah, he just hasn't seen consistent minutes. In uh, Sacramento shows some nice flashes, has a, a few good games, um, even starts 17 games last season. But Honestly, like, yeah, you're just, you're not completely sure where you see his NBA career going. And, uh, you know, he does, he's kind of like that, they say he's a four or five hybrid, but he's really like a center with a little passing, working on that shot. Um, but yeah, you're not necessarily exactly sure where he fits in and how valuable of a player he is uh, moving forward. And I don't think that's what most really expected from Harry Giles coming out of that high school class. So,
0: yeah. You think most. of you think of a video game. You think of you think of Dynasty Mode. So you, you're th- you're thinking high level of a long period of time. But yeah, and his you know his good friend and former teammate Jason Tatum is definitely you know on a different trajectory. Most definitely,
1: and even Josh Jackson's shown some. I would say, like, some positive flashes at times um, these past couple of years.
0: Well, to me, obviously, like, at the in high school, like, I was huge on, on Lonzo. I mean, like, we, we saw him, like, and obviously I haven't been to, I don't, you know, as much high school action. Lonzo's having a year, man. But to me, like, Lonzo was the best high school player I have seen in person up close since Kevin Love. Yeah. Lonzo was like those a- were the two guys that were, like, they can throw the ball into a thimble. Like, they're just pinpoint passing and just, like so many levels, like, above their competition. Lonzo was a
1: lot of fun, and I, I, like, I know it's a contract year for him, but he's shown quite a bit of value, and uh, I, I don't think he's going to re-sign with New Orleans or New Orleans wants to do that uh, long-term. I'm I'm not completely sure what New Orleans wants to do in terms of building around Zion Williamson, but Lonzo's having a good year. Like, yeah. he, he, he's good, and, like, he's a legit NBA guy as well. Um, like a good rotation guy, and uh, yeah, of those guys, like Harry Giles is the player who still really hasn't
0: found his way as of yet. And then we're we're sticking we're sticking at Duke uh, the next year, two thousand seventeen. Number five, Trayvon Duval.
1: This was a player who um, I got to see at Adidas Nations in two thousand fifteen and sixteen, and I. Loved him, I thought he was great. <laughs> he, he was like six foot two or so, had like a plus five or six wingspan and he could get to the paint like at will. Like this guy was not like a crazy explosive athlete but like a really good athlete and really quick and uh, was like one of those kind of like driving kick point guards who just never really had to shoot at most levels. And then I get to the Nike Hoop Summit, and this is where you like really get to see him take shots, and you notice the jump shot, and you're like, oh, that doesn't look great. Yeah. And I think it kind of caught up with him a bit. And I think that also while he's ranked like really high by a few people, there was at least like a question between he and Colin Sexton, who ends up being. Uh, Trayvon is fifth in R- RSEI. Uh, Colin Sexton is sixth. But I know that after Hoop Summit, I certainly liked uh, Colin Sexton more as a, a point guard. And, you know, people have questioned his point guard ability and everything there. But yeah, I, I liked him more than Trayvon. And Trayvon gets to Duke.
0: And. Uh, That's the majority of the games. I mean, 34 to 37. And he ends on a high note. I mean, 20, 20 20.6 assists in their loss, but against Kansas in the Elite Eight. So, you know, he's getting
1: Shoots 29% from three. Shoots under 60% from the line. A two-to-one assist to turnover ratio. But, yeah, like, the major questions are, like, he's not necessarily, like, a crazy uh, straight line or vertical athlete. By NBA standards, and um, the shooting, like that was a
0: huge shooting, thing with shooting him. stuff. for one guard, yeah, in the league today, right? But he's also, yeah, it's it's sad too because he's also the first Duke player to go one and done and, and go undrafted. Yeah, yeah. So and,
1: yeah uh, had- I was surprised he went undrafted. I really yeah. was. Like really? I, I knew there, I knew it was a possibility. I just was. I was definitely surprised that he. Somebody didn't give him, uh,
0: or didn't take him. He gets he gets in on a two way with with the Bucks. Gets in like a couple regular season games. Two ways again with the uh, the Rockets the next year, and then now just you know in the last scene in the G League. Yeah, and
1: still like you know a guy who I uh, like is young enough where. Uh, Gosh,
0: wild! Wow. Trayvon is only twenty-two years old. Yeah, I think I. I think, <laughs> yeah, that's like that's the sad part, but yeah, it's like retooling. Yeah. To be a consistent shooter. I mean, I,
1: like you still hope he has a, a long professional career. Yeah,
0: because athletically, it's.
1: I wouldn't say like the NBA is like completely out of the, the picture or anything like that, but yeah, he. Um, gosh, yeah, man, I remember like. I even like DM'd him to get his like birthdate for draft.net and everything. And he was a really cool guy. Like he was nice. I approached him at uh, Ideas Nations, really like just smart, well spoken guy. Um, and I really enjoyed watching him play in high school. Like I, I thought he was uh, like among the underclassmen there. Uh, I remember like the standouts, it was like they had a third place game and Trayvon did fantastic in that game, uh, as well as the entire camp. And um, Gary Trent Jr. also was one of the the real standouts there too. But um, yeah, just uh, certainly like uh, a shock that Trayvon Duvall doesn't end up uh, going so high. And he he and uh, Josh Selby are... The two lone point guards on our list.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For like again, I think it's like yeah. For the point guard, it comes down to that: can you shoot? <laughs> Whereas, like a lot of the bigs, it's like, where do you fit in? You know, in our in our big big man rotation. But we, we yeah. move on to 2018. We have another big man. We have our first international yeah. player here. We have a uh, Shitu from Burlington, not not Burlington, Vermont, not home of the Code Factory, Burlington, Ontario, Canada. CIA bounce alum, we saw him at EYBL. And I remember at the time he was kind of in a reclassification mode. And, or I know Oregon was was after him. There was someone that they felt okay about going after, but obviously as a community to Vanderbilt. So, you know, obviously, you know, IQ is not as, as high there declining Oregon, so that's obviously, you know, can be can be a bad sign. But yeah, what's what, what was your thoughts on, you know, on him as, as someone who is a very hyped Canadian prospect? I like him. I like Simi. I thought Simi,
1: look, I got to see Simi when he was really young, like when I was actually living in Toronto. And uh, yeah, I remember like they had a, a youth game before, um, what like was it like a Team Canada game that featured uh the likes of Tyler Ennis and uh Xavier Rattan Mays and uh Trey Lottes? And um, the youth game had Simi and he stood out. Got to see him at Nations, I thought he played well there and he like he looked like a you know a combo big, uh, was another good passer as well. And um, I, I liked his defense. Like I, I thought, he looked like a you know, at least had some some movement and ability. To big, move. Like a big dude. That too, that too. Like and yeah, like the the physical measurements and everything there for sure. Um, but he, yeah, he ends up being like more of a center. Um, and then in EYBL, like you know, we see him with uh, with CIA balance. Oh, yeah. He looked like one of the better players that weekend. And, uh, you know, ends up being the 10th-ranked guy in the RSCI. Um,
0: And, yeah, just uh, at Vanderbilt, very up and down. Well, Darius Garland goes out. So it's like, you know, you kind of miss. Oh, and Simi definitely, like, had injuries as well. Like, so
1: he's actually – the thing with Simi, too – And um, I I think there are like a couple of different possibilities. And he had played for Canada and was involved with Canada. I hear that he is either going to play, so he was born in England. And then um, I think that he also is of Nigerian descent. So he has a few options for playing international basketball. Um, And yeah, at at Vanderbilt, I think, there are a few things that stand out as kind of like red flags. One is that, yeah, like they have a really tough season without Darius Garland. The other is like the amount of uh, turnovers he has and then like really like pretty low block and steal percentages from Simi, um, who didn't necessarily like live up to my defensive billing and um, not a very good offensive rebounder either. Yeah, he just um, definitely, like, has a, a few red flags that season at, at Vanderbilt. Uh, after having, like, what looked like a pretty promising start. And, uh, yeah, I, I think, like, you know, it's kind of gone accordingly. And um, that he does not end up getting drafted. And, yeah. Uh, has yet to play in the NBA, though I had heard his name like kind of like rolling around lately, but yeah, I guess uh, still hasn't been
0: picked up as of yet. Yeah, he's playing for Westchester Knicks in the in the G League. but Yeah, still hasn't made his NBA. Two way. No, so the Bulls like it doesn't show a two way. It just says he was away in training camp and then assigned to the Bulls NBA G League affiliate.
1: No man, he he got two way. With the bulls? Yeah, with mix. Oh nice. Yeah. Good on him. Yeah. So yeah, I had heard that recently. Yeah.
0: So that's good. I yeah. mean, I, I guess uh,
1: yeah, still still a possibility. Um, but yeah, like I, I think he would have been somebody that like the NBA certainly would have looked at. I think the injuries out of high school were uh, would have been a concern like even more so than a guy who had like uh the track record and was like as high up as Harry Giles. But yeah. Simi hoping 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 it makes it uh to the NBA, that would be pretty fantastic.
0: Yeah. And again, this is like year two post post collegiate.
1: Yeah. Like th- these last few
0: guys are so Yeah, enough. so they're still like he's still in like in the thick of
1: Trayvon being twenty two is like
0: wow. Like, yeah, that's crazy. So, you know, like he's still, still, still in the, in the talks. And then 2019, we have number 11 in the RCI, Khalil Whitney. Yeah. Talk.
1: Khalil Whitney was a guy who was number 11 RSCI. And like, I think the NBA was really intrigued. Like he, he goes to um, the Nike camp, like the year before um he gets to Kentucky or like the summer before he gets to Kentucky and he does really well there against like some NBA players. He was somebody who um, his dad is built like a tank too. Like I remember at USA basketball, his dad is there and like, he looks like he could be like an NFL wide receiver. Um, And Khalil is like, you know, six foot six, six foot seven, long arms and really like athletic um, has some ball skills, can kind of create his own shot. The key was making those shots. And then the other thing was like his ability to create for others or like, you know, I, I, I always like, I, I kind of always remember like the description of him was being like this kind of like point forward kind of guy. And that wasn't him. He was a, a scoring forward like through and through. Um, and he gets to Kentucky And kind of struggles with doing that. And like, you kind of see him
0: rather than being like a combo wing being like a four. (laughs) Yeah. And he ends up leaving, he ends up leaving Kentucky during the, during the middle of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And like, just straight up goes pro.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. that Doesn't even like, I I think there, there were thoughts of him possibly transferring, but yeah, he just ends up going pro. And uh, well, you know, there are still kind of like rumors that there's some interest in him possibly, uh, you know, getting drafted in the second round or anything like that. It, it doesn't end up happening. And he is currently on exhibit 10 with uh, the Greensboro swarm, but um, yeah, the, under the Hornets.
0: So yeah, he signs his exhibit 10 with the Hornets. So that puts him on the affiliate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, this is, he's only one year out, but yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, I think definitely, you know, he didn't see a lot of time in college and then kind of leaving due to that kind of not the, not ideal. Yeah.
1: And uh, he was, he was actually waived by the Hornets as well. Uh, But I think he's still with the swarm. Um, Yeah, just, I I think um, it was kind of like a, Bit of the the high school hype machine, I think he had done well in EYBL, but like the really low assist numbers and like I think like the kind of like negative assisted turnover ratio, um, along with like the the shooting concerns, were uh, were pretty big there, and uh, yeah, he looked certainly looked intriguing. Like uh, I I remember. At um, USA Basketball, like uh, during the October mini camp in 2018, he looked like like he seemed to have some of the better scrimmages of, of that class, um, that senior class. But he, uh, yeah, I, there there were question marks from many of draft Twitter person like entering college, and uh, they turned out to be pretty correct and uh yeah it'll be still really young guy definitely has a chance just uh somebody that wanted to to mention because i i think there was like some there if if there was a situation where he came in out of high school like there might have been like some lottery buzz honestly
0: yeah that's that's the interesting part about it is yeah like sometimes it's it's the gamble pays off you know like that's oh for sure that's why you know for like for the for both ways you know sometimes the gamble works off for for the the league you know making the player wait a year and then you know team's not spending a pick on someone who doesn't materialize but then sometimes for a player it's like you get that lottery guaranteed deal and then you go to college and it kind of just doesn't materialize
1: and i like in uh the point of pd webb who just had a a great piece about pre-drafting on his patreon as well as uh on pro insight um like sometimes the RSCI kind of plays against certain players and like if they weren't ranked high and they show a lot of promise as a freshman they'll go back to to college rather than go into the nba early and possibly like you know have like a promise or, or somebody being like okay we can work with you and develop you on uh, these really great uh, skills that you've shown so far. So, yeah. Um, it certainly was like, the, I would say like the, this episode was a, a bit of a, a bummer of sorts with some of these players, but uh, it's just, it's always great to kind of like see what these guys are up to now. I think and a, lot, it's a lot of perspective. how many of them like are playing it's pro it. basketball.
0: It's a lot of like perspective on, you know, scenarios. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah,
1: like they, well, we'll say one thing, none of them like peaked in high school. And like a lot of them have had very successful professional basketball careers, just maybe not exactly what they had envisioned, but anybody that plays pro basketball and you're getting
0: paid and it's your job and you know, you're still doing it after all these years. It like, liked it. yeah, wow. no, totally. Wow. And like, you can have insanely fulfilling careers playing overseas. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, personally, financially, however you want to look at it, like, I mean, there are good, good, good ways about it. For sure. Shout out to everybody making money playing basketball. Especially, especially, yeah, especially right at this moment, (laughs) like playing overseas might be tough because maybe you haven't gotten to come back home, you know, in quite some time. So definitely appreciate. And I love personally, I like watching some of the, like when the EuroLeague stuff gets on, like nba tv used to do a better job at some of the like the EuroLeague league finals yeah man I used to start putting that on but it wouldn't get to much enough because again like like we mentioned way earlier with tbt it's sometimes i just like watching games and being like oh yeah that guy
1: yeah. you know i don't like watching the league because it's like crazy high level basketball and then yeah once you get to the EuroLeague league like file
0: four like that's Man. Well it also has, it also has for like for the, the marbles too. It also has I kind of the noise names for all the marbles, and it kind of has like sometimes like the noise and intensity factor of like college or even like high school, you know, like high school, state level. Like we're so. just going crazy, yeah, way more so, yeah, yeah. Like people are just banana is Oh my god, like
1: it's like a, a soccer stadium, like, yeah, yeah, like it, oh man, get yeah. some boozela yeah. action, <laughs> insane Do you, I remember like Olympiacos versus uh, Panathinaikos and like it I think every single one of those games like ended up being like kind of like posted short because at the end like the fans went freaking insane um so yeah it, crazy stuff going on over there and uh yeah I would I yeah always one of my uh, dreams to go to some EuroLeague games
0: so if you want to pay to have us come out to a Euroleague game, so we could watch it with you, yes. definitely drop us a comment because we we we'd love to fly first class anywhere that you'd want to pay for us to do so. Don't make me have to pay myself. Yeah. but you know, thank you guys so much for for tuning in. If you, you know, as we mentioned earlier, we appreciate you know every like, subscribe that we've gotten, and so if you. Do you have any friends that are basketball fans, fanatics like yourself? You know, share out the podcast. You can drop us a review. That helps as well a ton. If you want to let us know, you know, how you feel. Comments are always great. We love engaging with other basketball fans. And if you want to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so. I'm at Jay Weisenberg. If you want to follow Michael, he's at NBA Draft Mikey B. If you want to follow the both of us at once, get a two-for-one shot. That is at Viseland. And again, subscribe on YouTube, and you can find us anywhere you can find your podcasts.
1: Shout out to Pro Insight. Just went over 3,000 on Instagram and tons of great um, content on that show as well. I did a couple podcasts last week with um, Locked On NBA Draft with Rafael Barlow. Highly suggest you listen to his show just in general. He just had to get on and uh, I guess there's another combine in the works. It looks like there is set to be one in Tampa Bay. And then he's doing one in, in Myrtle beach that hopefully goes down. And that would be amazing. Cause they both sound really cool. Um, and then I did one with the, the trail casters. That's Keith uh, Feltner, Keith Feltner Smith Keith and Abdi Kualis Muhammad. And we just kind of talk uh, trailblazers and the NBA in general. So yeah, if you want to give those a listen, plus Jason Weisenberg, this humble man, wrote an article about the year one at Weiseland that he will have in the description. And it was well done. Plus you get to see old school pictures of us wearing basketball jerseys.
0: Correct, that is the key. That's where the money, we might put that one behind a paywall just for the pictures of the throwback jerseys, but for for now it'll be free. Well, well,
1: hey, maybe we'll have a few more jersey pictures behind the paint wall.
0: If you want to get to those, you got to pay. Stay tuned, everybody. So, Tiva, thank you guys so much, and we will catch you all next week. Take care.